Hi, I'm Shiv. And I'm Chitra. We are the co-hosts of this show, Software People Stories. We are happy to bring you stories of people associated with software as makers or consumers. In every episode, we talk to people on their own personal and professional journeys, their interests and approach to work and life in a free-flowing conversational format. We hope that you will be able to draw your inspiration from their experiences and insights. These podcasts are made possible by PM Power Consulting, who have helped individuals, teams, and organizations on their delivery excellence journeys. In my free-flowing conversation with Neeraja Ganesh, we talk about how she started her IT career in a rather unusual manner, how she learned from any situation that came her way, from various kind of jobs to constantly finding learning opportunities, being thrown into the deep end of a situation and finding her voice, to mentoring and grooming people at work, and finally, finding her passion in helping women get back to work after a break. Listen on. So thank you, Neeraja. Thanks for agreeing to be a podcast guest on our show. It's wonderful to be talking to you today. So as is usual with you know all our podcast guests, we invite you to give us an introduction about yourself. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me uh, as one of the guests that could come on the series of podcasts that you've done so far. I, as I said, I was just listening in to all of them and I feel privileged to be part of uh, that series. Um, let me do a quick uh, professional intro first. Uh, so I've had uh, 25 years of uh, experience in the IT industry, the information technology industry. And uh, uh, in 25 years, I worked in four companies, um, and my major stint was uh, with ANZ, which is uh, what I call as a transformational phase for me. Um, the other two companies before that were smaller stints, two years, two years. At ANZ, I spent 16 years, which is where I grew from being a programmer to a team lead and really scaled up my career into you know, a higher leadership ranks. Um, a lot of learning. Uh, definitely, I attribute it to ANZ, after which I uh, also worked in a services company for five years and then finally decided to call it quits from uh, the corporate life in uh, September 2017. Um, I was hoping to do some freelancing consulting work because I didn't necessarily want to get back into a corporate career. Uh, so I was exploring and talking to people. I did start a, a small consulting assignment, but before I knew, um, I, I was approached to head uh, the not-for-profit foundation, which is called the Jobs for Her Foundation, which is what I do now. Uh, and how that happened was, uh, while um, I was uh, in uh, my uh, last role in the corporate career, I realized that there's a lot that needs to be done for women. As such, I'm quite passionate about you know growing uh, people in their careers and a special interest when it comes to women. And I was uh, driving a lot of uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives in my last company. Uh, so I got associated with Jobs for Her, which is uh, a portal uh, that uh, helps women on a career break restart their careers. And of course, this year we have expanded beyond women on a career break to actually look at late starters as well as women who want to rise in their careers. So I was associated with them as a mentor on that portal and uh, 
uh, we would volunteer in for any uh, anything that they would need help for uh, and hence um, you know i was approached to head the not-for-profit foundation when they started it and that's where i am now in my professional journey personally um, i'm married and i have a 17 year old girl um, who I won't say she keeps me busy. She keeps herself very, very busy. <laughs> and so I don't have really, you know, need to think about <laughs> what I need to do with her and her free time. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, that's uh, a brief and quick intro about myself. Wonderful, Deerja. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a really fascinating conversation and very, very interesting. How did you choose to get into IT or software development? Where did this Where did this whole journey begin? Okay, so I said twenty five years, right? So which meant that um, uh, I uh, was finishing up college in the nineteen nineties, um, and uh, I come from a very conservative family. There was no talk of a job or a career, you know, in this setup. Um, I'm an only child, and um, the obvious thing. Uh, that was spoken about all through my growing up years was that yeah you finish your graduation and we'll get you married and you know kind of life is set so i had no no in thinking that you know i would get into a job uh, but i i finished my graduation and of course in those days you know they were looking out for a groom for me and there was time available and i told my dad that i would like to do this uh, it course because it's the buzzword and apparently, you know, you get uh, high paying jobs if you did this course, um, not knowing, you know, whether I'm ever going to work, but it was an interest. I did aspire I think, a little. Uh, I thought, OK, before I get married, maybe I should make a little bit of money and this course will get me into that. Uh, and my father obliged. She said, OK, go ahead. So I enrolled for this two year course uh, from NIIT. Um, which was called the Advanced Diploma in Systems Management. So it was uh, across four semesters, each semester for six months. Um, and uh, as I was in my third semester, um, Sonata came in. Uh, they were looking for some contract uh, staff and uh, they picked us up. And that's how my journey into the IT world started. What happened then? What happened afterwards? You know, what are, what are some of the lessons that you learned along the way by, as you were a software developer? Okay, so my first job at Sonata, which was a three-month contract assignment, was uh, a project uh, which was a conversion project, converting PL1 code to COBOL. So this was a for a client who had this huge mainframe system and all the code was written in PL1. And uh, of course, COBOL is also, even then, uh, it was called an ancient dying uh, language, but I think PL1 was even more <laughs> ancient, so we were doing this conversion. It was a very mundane job. Uh, there was not much of you know brain power that needed to be used because um, they had what they called as an accepted conversion methodology document. Uh, so they had written that this is the syntax in PL1, then you convert it like this into COBOL. So they had done a research and that kind of you know created this huge ACM excerpt the conversion methodology document and we were all of us about 12 or 13 of us were picked up from NIIT and you know we got into this project we uh, we just had to blindly do it 
and then there would be a code review because we couldn't even test it you know huge uh, system so each of us were given small programs so there's no way you could test anything till somebody put together and do a systems testing which probably some other team was doing so we had to just be very very careful about understanding the syntax converting it blindly to cobol and then doing a code review uh, to ensure that we followed this uh, you know conversion methodology and handing it over for a peer review very mundane and you could also call it boring this is not what somebody who was <laughs> looking to you know do in an it world would do uh, but i think all of us who picked up this role for us sonata was a dream company definitely uh, we got this job uh, even though it was three months contract assignment even before we completed our um, course and we were paid uh, for the first three months 1500 rupees which was like big big money in those times my father was really he fell off his chair he said what <laughs> you know you're not in a company of course and you get this kind of salary and what uh, helped that was after three months they extended the contract for another three months and they made our internship stipend or whatever you call it as 2500 so it was like okay let's stick at it whether it is boring whether you're using your brain or not there's money coming in but uh, um, i think obviously over a period of time then the contract assignment finished and we all got into permanent uh, roles in the company to me if i reflect upon it uh, there were there are two things that you know uh, my learnings are one uh, from the fact that uh, these days uh, and i'm generalizing i think kids are like very very though they are very focused and clear about this is exactly what i want to do and if they don't get that they probably are not going to try out anything else i think what worked for all of us who started in that era in this way was let's learn from whatever comes to us i think that is the basic foundation because of which we have been able to grow and sustain ourselves in the it industry for you know such a long period of time uh, everything has a learning uh, whether it be boring whether it's you know not the uh, cutting edge technology or whatever there is a learning which definitely is going to help you at some point in time both personally and professionally that was one the other learning when i reflect again now is um, learn to ask so i was uh, as i said i we all got in when we were still uh, studying i had taken up a four semester course the rest of the people who got into sanata at that point in time were finishing it off with three semesters uh, so they kind of finished their course and they could continue to work but for me i had one more semester to do uh and this project in sonata was working in shifts so there was a morning shift from 7 to 3 and i think the afternoon shift was from 3 to 11 um and my fourth semester classes were from 3 to 5 so for both reasons because i had a class at 3 also because i was a girl and they wouldn't possibly put me in the night shift they gave me the 7 to 3 slot and my classes used to be only for 3 days a week so we all thought it would work out on those 3 days i would leave half an hour early go to uh, you know institute and then the other three days somehow i make it work but the other thing is that in those days we didn't have computers at home so though the classes were only for 3 days and 2 hours per day we had to spend a lot of time in the institute trying to find spare computers to do our project work and things like that which meant i had to just hang around in the institute waiting for some computer to get free so even the morning shift was not working for me and uh, what i did was i came back and i told uh, you know the the two key people in the project that this is the situation um shifts don't work for me uh, 
uh, now you know if i were to think of such a conversation um, in any organization uh, today i think majority of them would respond to say that okay i think you can go finish your fourth semester and then come back and let's see if there's an opportunity but what happened there was uh, this uh, these two people they said okay we'll make an exception for you we will give you a dedicated computer in the office which means that you can come in any time you can go any time because we understand you have to be at the institute for whatever number of hours as long as you complete and deliver the weeks you know deliverables as per the quality standards that we have and and that was the exception made for me nothing else was you know exception they didn't say do less number of programs or they didn't say it's okay if you make so many mistakes everything else was the same as for the rest members but just that okay i could come in any time between 7 and 11 and that is what helped me i mean i continued you know uh, in the team as the rest of uh, my uh, institute members and after 9 months i got permanent uh, employment and so on just like the rest of the group got so that is another learning i think we must ask many of uh, especially the girls and women hesitate you know they think too much okay what will happen and i say what's the worst that can happen you know maybe they'll just decline that's okay at least you ask and you see what you get out of it i think that's that's a wonderful example of you know the organization being supportive and i think more importantly you stepping up to ask uh, what i right. saw is you know a situation presented itself and you just responded by asking and lo and behold there was something that you could work through absolutely you know, get to where you wanted to what yeah. what happened after sonata what was your life like at uh, anz because you spent 16 years over there sure So Sonata uh, after 2 years uh, I moved on to a company which is now known as Manhattan Associates um and uh, again I think I joined there uh, as a cobol programmer but that they were into AS400 so they trained us on AS400 and RPG programming um so I kind of you know was again a programmer for those 2 years uh, that I stayed with Manhattan Associates uh small company uh, it, they had a product and you know we kind of you know were very focused on delivering to those product requirements it was catering only to the us market at that point in time um an interesting phase uh, because i got to learn uh, a new uh, new language on a different uh, platform um and work with a smaller team so you kind of you know understand the dynamics you're directly working with the mp you know so there were i think in in, in today's terms co-founders right so there were four co-founders and you're directly working with them they would sit with you and look at your code and all of that so that's a different experience altogether uh i moved out of that company because they wound up their business in india and went back to the us and i didn't have any interest in traveling uh so i went and joined anz which was called index computing in those days the first thing that happened was of course anz you know gave me a very good salary to start with but the first thing was um i have spoken to them uh, in the interview about my skills in cobol as well as my skills of uh, rpg so the two platforms that i have worked on and i was hoping that they would give me an as folded product what they told me was um, you know what we have all the systems here and we don't you know tie you to one system you obviously will have job rotations every few years so you can explore and the minute i started working i realized it put me onto a cobol project and i was devastated and i was still continuing interviews after that <laughs> the only reason that i didn't join any other companies was nobody was able to match the salary that came that was 
paying and hence I continued and see, I stayed there for 16 years. Uh, <laughs> some of these are reflections, you know, about how things pan out for you. But definitely a lot of learning. See, I, as I said, come, coming from a very conservative family background, in fact, I, I didn't even know how to talk and communicate. So we are having this conversation today, but so many people who see some of my interviews, uh, you know, kind of see the work that I'm doing now, they come back and ask me, you were never like this in school and college. So it was, you know, I was a very meek, timid uh, girl, uh, never spoke to anybody, walked into the office, had my piece of code that I had to do, deliver it and go home. Had no friends, had lunch all alone, chai all alone nine to six and that's about it because my focus was still family you know I, I told you that my parents only wanted me to get me married I got married but I had a job and so I said okay the job is second priority let me just finish that and go home that is how I was so one of the biggest transformational moments for me in ANZ was when uh, in one of these uh, projects my uh, team lead was sent uh, abroad for six months and they needed a stand-in team lead and again, I'm talking about an era where leadership was not qualified the way we talk about leadership today. Uh, in those days, it was the, the person who's most technically qualified automatically becomes the team lead. And in that team of 10 or 11 people, I was the most technically qualified. So they just made me the team lead. Now, you can imagine somebody who doesn't talk, you know, being a team lead. Uh, and also at that point in time, we were going through that project was going through a... Um, we were moving um, the entire delivery uh, accountability from Melbourne to Bangalore, which meant a lot of stakeholder engagement. Um, and uh, the team itself was going through a lot of, uh, not a very stable phase because of what was happening in terms of the movement of all the accountability to Bangalore. You, you can imagine uh, the people in Australia weren't very happy to give it. So every day there was stinkers saying that hey, Bangalore is not performing and the team was not feeling too great about this. So there was a lot of team dynamics to be handled, stakeholder engagement to be managed. And Ainzel was also going through a CMMI certification. So there was enough that was happening and it was all going to this girl who didn't talk. <laughs> and you know, she to kind of manage this whole thing. How did you find your voice in the midst of all this chaos, Neeraja? Right, exactly. So I realized uh, one of the qualities that I have is, you know, I will do whatever is given to me or whatever I pick up with absolute passion. You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to say that if you do this, this is the bonus you get, this is the salary you get. I, whatever is given to me, whether small or big, I'm passionate about it and I will deliver it, you know, with all that sincerity. So I realized that there's a lot that needs to be done and I have to kind of change myself to get stuff done. Uh, as an example, so we were going through the CMI certification and as part of that, every team had to do a self-assessment uh, of where we are as against whatever standard processes were being laid out. Um, and this uh, self-assessment uh, report uh, was tabled uh, to the MD and he would review it to see which team is doing well and which is not. So I did the first self-assessment and I got a pathetic score for myself and my team. And I, with that, I walked into this meeting, which was chaired by the MD. And I think probably mine was the least. Everybody else had great scores. And I was wondering, how is it that people are able to, you know, kind of 
comply to these processes that have been defined because I was struggling and our team was struggling. So we were doing a production support role and I asked now the production support team, um, you know, in terms of what his score was and how he managed to comply to those processes. And like as an example, there was a question which said, uh, do you have coding standards? And the answers had to be yes or no. Now, we don't have coding standards because in a production support team, we were not coding. But then you can't say yes uh, because you don't have and a no is the only answer because there was no not applicable. So I was very, very, you know, uh, sincere in my answers and my score was very less. I mean, I asked this peer, how did he answer that question? And he said, see, I don't have coding standards, but because the question asked uh, is uh, uh, whether you have coding standards, I just created a document and put it in the drive and I've said yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's the kind of, and I said, I'm not going to do any of that. I will not do anything just for compliance. And in that meeting, uh, I opened my mouth in front of the MD and I said, uh, it will be nice if some of the people from the quality team could come and sit with my team members for one day and see the work that we do and advise us how to follow these processes because we're struggling a little Everybody looked at me and they thought I'm going to be thrown out, if not out of the company, definitely out of you know this position uh, because you don't you know, ask and say such things uh, to you know somebody so senior in the organization, especially when everybody else is fine and they are happy and they don't have issues. The next day, the MD announced. He said it's a, a concept of quality representatives, which is members from the QA team who will go and sit with every team to understand the work that's being done and advise how to follow these processes. And of course, you know, we also got our chance of having the QR come in. And then there was the realization of the processes that were defined at that point in time only catered to development projects and there was nothing for production support projects. And then they had to revamp the entire process bank that was called. So this is what gave me the you know confidence that one can talk and one needs to talk. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You know, he would have said, shut up. But in this case, he really heard me out and not only did it help me, but it helped the rest of the teams. So this is how, you know, Nirja changed and transformed from a quiet girl to, you know, now I think there's no stopping me <laughs> in terms of talking. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, this is really a great example to, for anyone to see how they can find their voice. The situation, I think, and you lend themselves beautifully to this, create such a such an innovative way to to find a solution to something that was that was actually a gap if you look at it, right? In That's some sense. True. Yeah. 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 So you you said you you know you were in ANZ for sixteen years. I'm sure you played several roles over there. How yeah. was it to transition from one role to another? And, you know, what is some advice that you can give people or as they undergo some of these transitions as part of their careers? Sure. So uh, one of the things that um, helped me was that ANZ is an organization, given it is a captive, um, you know, uh, they themselves allowed people to move in between, uh, between teams and different roles, um, you know, at, at a particular frequency. Uh, so they themselves triggered it and they pushed you to do it. Uh, the other thing in me was that I couldn't stay in a role um, the minute I got very comfortable in it. Uh, so every role of mine was to kind of uh, clean up something, you know. So I would be put into, uh, like if the, I, this is the current example that I uh, gave you, it was about setting up, you know, 
this uh, processes and ensuring that we take accountability and we have a you know good delivery etc the minute that is done and i just feel that okay now i can breathe i feel like going somewhere else you know and to set up something else uh, so that is the bug which you know kept me moving between uh, different teams and different roles and hence i have done a variety of roles so there have been some which are you know a leadership uh, where i have large teams and we had to deliver there could also have been some which are like individual contributor roles like an example is that uh, uh, i i was uh, managing two teams uh and uh, due, due due to an organization uh, change one of the teams went into a different business unit so my team shrunk right so if i had 20 people because one of the teams went to a different bu now i had only 10 people uh and uh, what also happened was they decided to move me into that other bu with the other team and i was really happy about it you know i said why did you take a decision like that i probably should have been given the choice which team would i like to be with based on you know what kind of uh, growth i see for myself uh, and i i reflected and i thought that maybe that is because they didn't necessarily see uh, such a strong dependency on me towards team a and hence they moved me to team b so it made me reflect what is it that neeraj brings to the table because of which somebody will cling on to neeraj and that's what i need to hone in myself right uh, so is it technology is it domain or is it you know process um, and with that reflection i decided that uh, i think i would like to kind of uh, be the process person here uh, and i moved to the qa team for 6 months Uh, so that you know, when you are part of the QA team, you understand the whole gamut of things, and then you get back into uh, again a delivery role, so you can actually implement all those learnings, and that's the strength that you bring, and hence Nirja will be required, and you know they will not just push you away. So these are some of the reflections that I have done, and I have kept moving roles, um, and uh, one of my biggest uh, successes. Uh, after this one where i actually transform myself from an individual contributor to the team lead and you know find found my voice was um, a portfolio that i handled which was for the asia pacific retail uh, you know banking segment of uh, anz i was there for 3 years when i joined that team the team size was about 38 or uh, people and we had one number you know with which you could uh, talk about that team uh one was the attrition and the second was a staff engagement score so staff engagement is uh, a survey that runs every year to find out how happy your team is and the attrition and the staff engagement score were 38% <laughs> not a number that one would like to you know really be proud about uh and um, it was uh, a challenge and it was something that was thrown on me to say that you have to of course curtail the attrition and you know bring up the team morale from the 38% it took me 3 years uh, but uh, the attrition absolutely plummeted and uh, the team size grew it doubled to 70 plus and um, when i uh, left the team which was again uh, because i felt that everything was now stabilized the staff engagement score was 65% which was one of the highest in the company and i said okay now let me move on and do something else uh, so this is how my learning um, and a lot of you know breadth of knowledge um, which i got from the different kinds of roles that i have done has helped me in you know my career with next company which was captain and i uh, and also in my current role
that that must have been some experience, Neerja. I'm sure some of our listeners are project managers of some sort. And can you share with our listeners, with those kind of listeners, what is it that you did uh, to help STEM attrition? Because that's a hard one. Uh, so the first thing I did, the first one month that I did, and, and let me give you a little bit of background uh, in this team. So uh, this uh, team had people who continued to be in the same team for many, many years. Um, so they become the SMEs, right? So they grow in the same uh, uh, field and they, they become the SMEs of that application. And uh, the previous management always felt that you only need SMEs, of course you need SMEs, but you only need SMEs and you will not bring in any external talent. You will continue to keep only this pool. And this is what, you know, defines the success of this team. So that was the kind of, you know, a, a situation that uh, was there. And uh, so the first one month, I only did, you know, interviews, if I may call, with all the 30 odd people that were there in the team. I spoke to everyone, spent one, two, three hours, and I heard all the complaints. The team was feeling that they, they were isolated. They didn't feel one with the organization. They felt that the management never you know, spoke to them and uh, never cared for them. And they had complaints about how the performance uh, reviews were done for their team, what promotions happened in their team, etc., etc. They felt that uh, they were not taken care of. So I heard all of this. And of course, there was also an internal grudge that they don't see themselves growing. And how can you grow, right? You know, everybody is an SME and you will have a pyramid, you know, in a hierarchy structure. And you can have only one person at the top leadership level. And here you have six, seven people who have the same levels of experience and uh, uh, expertise and all seven cannot become leaders. So then, you know, the obvious thing is that if you have to move out and find leadership roles in another team, but that was not allowed. Uh, so I could sense all of this. I just gathered data. I did nothing in the first one month, but just gathered data, wrote down all the points. And then went back to various support functions. I went back to HR. I said, I need to see all the promotion records for the last two, three years. I want to see the performance reviews of you know, this team for the last two, three years. And every clip that they had, I looked at the data. And I realized that there was nothing wrong. And this team was not really, you know... Uh, Nothing was done very differently to this team. It was probably just they felt uh, because because of the policy of whoever that you cannot move out of this team. How many, all of you are experts, you're all performing at the same level. And of course, we all go through a bell curve. So one will be, you know, a rating three, one will be a rating two. Um, but this, the problem is that you are not really moving people out and you're not infusing fresh talent and hence everyone's feelings different. So the second month I conducted a town hall and I presented the data. And that's when they realized that it is not that, you know, the managers gave them a bad scoring or there were no promotions, etc. But the, the issue is somewhere else. And now there is somebody who's open to even hearing about people wanting to move out of the team. Now, the next challenge was, how do you just move people out? Now, everybody wants to move out of the team because they realize that that's the only way to grow. And I can't move everyone out of the team because this SME uh, is, uh, knowledge is also needed. So you have to do it in phases. So then the conversations about what kind of knowledge transition we will do, who we will bring in, how do you move out and all of that. So I think um, that 
definitely you know improve the staff engagement because they realize that there is someone who is telling them what is wrong and how it can be probably corrected and helping them in you know in that correction uh, of course it was going to take time they understood that the second thing that i did was against each of these issues you know be it growth be it whatever i assigned these to people in the team Uh, i said i'm not going to drive any of this if you think that this is the issue then you will find a solution to it i am there to support if you need me to talk to whoever is the management i'm happy to do that but you will tell me what the solution should be so when i started assigning these as smaller initiatives to you know some of the team members they felt the ownership and they also realized that okay a lot of this whatever is you know a bias or a myth in their heads is not the reality and they kind of help themselves you know get out of whatever mess the entire team was in and uh, yeah so end game was a 65% uh, engagement and uh, definitely the attrition um, reduced because uh, as i started moving a few people out of the team i could promote some of the juniors into you know those roles and i said I, the team also expanded because i started trying to get more work for them and hence you know uh, their roles expanded because of which they kind of felt more happy about doing uh, different kinds of things uh, one of the things that i have done throughout my career is that i have never gone and hired um, leaders per se um or team leads or whatever i will always try to groom and grow talent from within and i know it's a hard one uh, there is always this difficulty these are all a uh, first time team leads but i know that i was also a first time team lead the girl who never spoke but you know could really transform and do a lot of things so i always work with the people and get them to you know grow and that's the only way uh, you know i have had my teams and uh, team leads and my hierarchy structures so i think that's been one of the successes for me it's really heartening to hear that i think in some sense you also help these people see their own transitions from where they were to possibly where they could go you know definitely that that must have helped them progress in their careers uh, so as a coach and a mentor and someone who's you know so passionately groomed people what have been some of your takeaways for yourself or perhaps for other coaches also when when they are trying to do something like this sure uh, there is always you know a learning from any kind of uh, an intervention that one does an interaction that one does always being a learning um so uh, i'll come probably to you know the current role that i have which is not necessarily a technology role but uh, the learning for me from the kind of work that i did in my it days Uh, so as i said i was driving the uh, dni initiatives in uh, capgemini where i worked last and uh, that's when i got associated with jobs for her i have never taken a break in my career right 25 years non stop um and uh, when capgemini asked me to put down a recommendation to hire women on a career break i was like what's so special about it you know you hire so you just find women on a career break and hire uh, but anyway since they asked me to put a recommendation i did some research and that's when i realized that there are portals like jobs for her who are only focused on hiring women on a career break um and i just put in a recommendation and i forgot about it but because of this i was actually um i had registered myself on a couple of these portals because of the research that i did and i got invited to one of uh, you know their uh, summits and i went there 
and I started hearing the women on a career break talk about their experiences of going to interviews when they wanted to restart is when I realized what a problem we have uh, you know, in our country in terms of uh, women on a career break and you know, restarting. Uh, and, and I said, I have to do something about it. And that's how I associated myself with jobs for her in various capacities to see how I can really help women. Now, how that helped. So I was actually mentoring women. When you mentor, you hear you know, them talk about their, their problems, their issues, could be personal, could be professional. And you know, I kind of you know, give them tips and tricks from my experiences in terms of how to handle something. Um, all of this was a learning for me because in 2017, before I quit Capgemini, uh, I went through a lot of personal crisis because of which I finally decided to quit. Um, so it started with my mother undergoing a surgery and, you know, then father-in-law falling ill, husband falling in and heaps of things that went wrong. I did take a few months off um, and I went back to the company and I said that I'm not going to take on any assignment which has a lot of travel and... Um, you know, we tried to find a role, you know, which with no travel, but that was not coming. So the decision to quit a 25 year IT career, which was at its peak, was not very difficult because I had gone through these talks with all the other women. They all had taken these decisions much early on in their career because of either, you know, the child and there was no one to look after the child or the spouse was, you know, uh, transferred. And so they had to kind of move cities. So all of this was a learning for me to say that, hey, you were able to sustain for 25 years. And now it's time probably for you to you know, kind of, you know, uh, take a break, think through and then restart. Uh, so I think mentorship and coaching is, uh, you know, always a learning for the mentor and the coach also. Uh, and that's why the decision was very easy. And I took the break and I decided to freelance. And then the job opportunity with uh, Jobs for Her came by. Um, and uh, I think uh, this is probably the best phase of my life where, you know, um, my passion is what you know is paying me as my job also. So uh, it's, it's great. It's amazing to hear that. You know, your mentoring and your coaching actually helped you with the decision when, when the time came. Very nice. This has been a very, very interesting conversation. And I'm certainly looking forward to many, many more conversations like this. So is there something that you would like to leave our listeners with as we come to a close of this particular episode? Sure. And I'll probably, you know, uh, uh, tune this towards women uh, because that's something, you know, that uh, I am extremely passionate about. And I feel that, you know, there is some some tips that we always need to give to the women who are looking to, you know, get back to their careers or start their careers or grow in their careers. I've already spoken about ASK. You know, in the beginning itself, uh, though uh, nobody told me that, you know, these are all the ways, you know, one kind of, you know, grows in their careers. I think I just did it and uh, it happened. But asking is very, 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 very important. Women don't do that for anything, you know, ask, asking for a raise, asking for a promotion, asking for a change of job or simply asking for maybe some flexibility. If that is what is required at that point in time to make, you know, your um, uh, career work. But please do ask. Uh, don't think about what the outcome is going to be. Let it be whatever be the outcome, but at least you should ask. The second thing that I really want to tell women is network, right? We all sit in our cocoons. And I also, you know, am guilty of that. For the first 23 years of my life, 
I only did that, you know, work and home, home and work, uh, nothing beyond that. This one summit that I attended, as I said, you know, because I just signed up to that portal, was the first such opportunity of going and attending something which was outside of work, which was outside of, you know, whatever I would do personally. And that is what changed my, you know, mindset, my thinking, everything. So uh, please do, uh, and how do you network? You, 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 you attend events, you find people, and that's how networking happens. And keep those networks alive, keep those, you know, connections alive, uh, because that is uh, absolutely important for, you know, career growth. And the third thing I would definitely tell, uh, you know, especially women who are uh, taking a break or on a break and wanting to restart is about, uh, you know, uh, being in touch with um, whatever field you've been working in. What we usually do is when we go on a career break, we decide, okay, fine, I'm going to look after the baby for two years and then come back. But come back will happen. But you don't know how much the industry has changed, uh, if it's technology, it's whatever has changed in those two years. And I think today things change overnight. So even if you are on a career break, do not let go of the subject, the domain that you have been working on. It is absolutely important for you to do some reading up on a daily basis so that you're clued in. Because then you are, you know, come back is that much more easier. So that's what I probably like to leave the listeners with. Thank you, Neerja. This has been really nice talking to you. Thanks once again for being our podcast guest. Thank you for the opportunity. I loved this conversation. If you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that, please get in touch with us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com. That is podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com. Please rate the show on Podchaser, Stitcher, iTunes or any other podcast client that you find us on. Please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show, do write to us at this email address podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.